Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's that time again. I'm your host, Martin Don, and it's time for a Sunday session. And welcome and thank you to Bruce Springsteen for Born in the USA. That track's been around a long time and it's still a favourite of many, many people, including myself. Good old Bruce. He would be an old codger now too, probably a bit like me. Well, it kind of leads us into today's Epicast, doesn't it? Because uh, it's lucky I have some very big bags of doge because I'm going to need to activate all meme shields for what I'm about to say. It's going to piss some of you off. It's going to make others laugh. But it's a fact. And what's that fact? What are we talking about today? That America makes the best cars in the world. Fact. Full stop. Take it as read. Now, for those of you that haven't uh, stroked out at this point and started rolling around on the ground, laughing, sighing, crying, uh, there is some reason behind this. It's not just something I, I made up and it's not because I've lost my mind and it's not um, because I'm the world's most terrible um, nerd fanboy of Tesla's part of the cult of electric Jesus. We all know that. But as far as I'm concerned, they're not an American car. They're made of Mars. So this isn't anything to do with Tesla. Well, not really. It's more to do with the rest of the world. Well, let's run through it, shall we, for a little bit. What's wrong with the cars the rest of the world make? Well, take Australia, for example. We made some great cars once upon a time. Now we make shit cars. You know why we make shit cars? Because we make nothing. Our whole industry folded and collapsed. Many reasons for that. But Australia made some of the best, coolest cars in the world from time to time. Not all the time. A lot of the times we actually made some terrible piles of shit. But towards the end, we made some pretty cool cars too. You know, the last of the HSVs, the last of the supercharged Falcons and turbocharged Falcons, you know, even though build quality could leave a little bit or a lot to be desired. And we're going we're to talk about build quality too. That's another one of my favourite sticking points. They were good cars, you know. And before we go any further, I'm not coming to you from uh, today from my normal vantage point on a Sunday, which is when I've been cruising through the hills and I'll be at the Ashton Cold store because a bunch of geriatrics on really shit old terrible motorcycles have all parked there to pick their noses and swap war stories. You know, people think, like, old dudes think it's cool to roll around in old shit. I've, I've never got that. I mean, I'm an old dude, old dude, and I like to roll around in new shit. But some old dudes like to roll around in old shit, and that's fine. They can do that whenever they want, as long as they don't park in my bloody spot. So... Back to the world making shit cars. They're, I'm going to go in and out of what each country's doing and, and why I make my opinions. Um, before we do that, we will bring up the UK. Anyone that listened to Epicast Soap Dodger knows what terrible, terrible cars the Poms actually made or make. You know, half of it's not even Pommy anymore. It's all owned by BMW or, you know, Tartar or bloody Malaysia or you know, various other parts of India and China, like, you know, that wonderful icon MG, like, bleh, why would you? The one good thing about Pommy cars, though, really, I suppose, and where they have it all over the American cars, is they're really, really good for your fitness. 
because about five times out of 10, they won't run, and the other five times out of 10, that's in the first place, they will break down and require you to walk long distances. So they're probably pretty good for your health, probably cars, your physical health, your mental health, well, not so much. They're a bit on the shocking, fugly, stupid side. You know, not Aston, I suppose they're a good looking car. But America made some really shit cars too. Like really, really, really abysmal shit cars. Sorry for all my American listeners. There were times when your industry didn't give 110%. Anyone can name me uh, the movie that line out of, that, that, that line is out of, and email it to me at dtech, a D-T-E-C-H, at S-E-N-E-T.com.au will get some a kind of reward. Remember that. Got to give it 110%. And it was said with lots of sweat. So America made shit cars too. I remember when I was growing up and I was a little taken, my dad uh, took the plunge and bought an American car. It was at about 1977 uh, or 8. And he bought like a 75 model Rambler Hornet. And it was a three-speed auto. It was like a four-litre straight six. I reckon it was like the early um, version of the TJ Wrangler old AMC six. It would have been some filthy relation of that. And it was a really, really hideous, horrible car. It was yellow with a black uh, vinyl roof. And I remember as a little kid, the only way it was just such a slug and it was so thirsty and it was so ugly and it didn't stop didn't go around corners, it didn't stay in the family very long for that reason, but I remember the only way my dad could ever get a thrill out of it was to be driving down a dirt road at about 10 k's an hour forwards and slam it into reverse. That's the only way you could turn the tyres in a stinking old Rambler Hornet, and that was really what American cars were at that time. Mustangs lost their way, they were god-awful things, you know, the 60s, the 50s and 60s were awesome. The 70s with the fuel crisis when Americans tried to make smaller cars and more, you know, luxurious cars and stick fake wood over anything. The 70s were just a horrible time. I can't think of one good car that came out of the States. And in the 80s, when they were strangled with all of that CAFE rubbish, for those of you who don't know, that corporate average fuel economy targets and emissions gear. And, you know, it, there was just, it was just a time when America made shithouse cars and, you know, like 80s Corvettes and even 90s Corvettes, they were just horrific things too. Sorry, GM probably were at their lowest point, in my opinion. They built some of the worst engines known to mankind in the history of the automobile at that stage, the 304 Chev being one of them. What a horrific thing. And, of course... Uh, well, the TJ Wrangler's motor, the AMC 4-litre fuel injected, it was so, so epically gutless. But I suppose at least, even though I you know, had the thirst of, of 10 Irishmen in a bar and a propulsion of like a, a one-legged frog, it, it still was reliable, I suppose, because it, it didn't rev over about 2,000 RPM. Yep, perfect candidate for boost. But... You couldn't even say that about the Chev. The 304 was just a rotten, rotten thing. And I, I remember the surprise on people's faces when I'd dyno some of these things. People would bring them in there. You know, a big fried chicken mobile, an IROC Trans Am bald golden eagle fried chicken. 
and they would make, the 304 was lucky to break three figures in kilowatts at the wheels. You know, a stock one to make about 90 kilowatts, you breathe on it with a set of pipes and a tuned Memcow and, you know, it'd make 108. Whoa, it was a horrible, stinking thing. And good news is most of those cars now, those old Smokey and the Bandit-looking mofos, have now had transplants and got cool shit in them, like, you know, Barras and LSs and stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't a total waste of time, I suppose, for them to be making these cars, but it was. Thankfully, everything changed about the time of the LS. You know, the Yanks still made some pretty horrible fried chicken wagons, like, you know, the early um, F-body with the LS1 in it. I actually had one, and yeah, it was hideous. Um, <laughs> like, it was a weird-looking thing. But yeah, it was a cool thing, I suppose. The old Raptor, man. But it was about that time that they started to find their way, and it's about that time the Germans started to lose theirs. Huh? Yeah, no. Nah, Germans make shit cars now. European cars are mainly shit. Huh? Yeah, I mean, there are some exceptions. I mean, there are cars like Porsche, for example, that are, you know, just know how to do it right. But unless you've just won the lottery or you own your own casino, you're not going to be buying a new Porsche. You know, your average man, your working class man, you're born in the USA man, isn't going to be buying a new Porsche anytime soon. But you can buy a Chevy Blazer. Well, not in this country. So, mainly... Uh, Volkswagen, Audi Group, and Mercedes-Benz are two of the biggest culprits here. Uh, what's wrong with Volkswagen, Audi Group cars? Well, there seems to be about three friggin' cars in the whole Volkswagen, Audi range, and all they do is scoot around putting different bodies and panels on them, calling them whole new cars. It's not they're just their electric cars that are just, you know, got one skateboard underneath them and a whole host of shitload of different taillights and headlights and hatches that, uh, our new model, our new model, our new model. They're just, their petrol-powered and diesel-powered things are just as bad. Like, you can buy a Skoda, Audi, VW. It's all the same friggin' car at different price points, but they're saying, oh, this one's better than that one and that one. You know, this one's got different stitching and different fit and finish. It's the same goddamn car and it's stupid oh there goes a motorhome yeah the big air conditioner on the roof you're not going to be needing that um thanks guys for actually you know not allowing me taking up my recording air with your stupid shit old motorbikes hopefully they're pommy and you'll be walking home quietly but yeah european cars ugh, they you know, some of them are finished nicely and some of the high-end stuff's really good, but your average middle-of-the-range stuff, they're just money pits that are waiting to happen. They're uh, mainly unreliable. They've mainly got poor electronics in them. They're mainly set overly sensitive like it's a calculated plan to get you into the dealers. Like, you know, all you've got to do with a new Merc is tickle the engine with a feather and you've got 50 check lights I've been through this before, but it's it's worth talking about again. If I can get like a new like a new MB commercial in, or one that's a year old that's been driven a bit, say maybe got you know twenty thousand kilometres on it, I have a bet, a standing bet. Every time I see one with my mate Phil Bunker that owns Heavy Leg, he's a good auto sparky and runs a big business and knows all about electrical clickery clackery. Here comes one of these old heaps of shit now. Listen to that. Oh, listen to him. Wow, they were choppers. Listen to them. 
and look how slow they are. You can get out and run faster. Anyway, I suppose everyone can't be a hero. Anyway, I have this standing bet with my mate Phil about how many faults these things are going to have in them. And I'll generally, my, my go-to number when I scan all the electronics of these cars normally will be around 30, I'll, I'll, I'll mix it up a bit, 32 to 36 faults would exist. Check engine light codes, failed this, this, that, parking restraint system, side automatic doors, 30 to 36. Phil sometimes goes a bit lower, about 31, or sometimes a bit higher, about 38, depending on, you know, what he fuels in his waters that day. But you know what? One of us always wins. There's always at least 30 faults in these stupid things, right? How can that be? It's because they're set up to send you to the dealer or whoever's working in their software department is some kind of window licker. Yeah, it's probably a bit of both, actually. Anyway, that's my take on European cars at the moment. I just, I just do something original. Uh, you know, do so. And the fact that everyone's forgotten, you know, that what Volkswagen tried to do. I mean, um, yeah, that's just something shouldn't be forgiven so quickly. But now they're the cleanest, greenest company in the world. If you ask them, and they won't bring any of their, you know, I'm doing my Dr. Evil fingers here, inverted quotes, I won't bring any of their good shit to Australia because we're too filthy for it. Yeah, nah, try again. So, you know, that's Germany for you and the automotive scene over there. I know there are going to be guys like my mate Sam Cass who judges a whole car by the softness of its right. Here comes another motorbike, another slow one. They all think I'm a cop sitting here in a grey Tesla. It's great. They all just lock eyes with me and roll off the throttle. So they think I'm speed gunning them. It's cool as. In fact, yeah, I'm probably doing the world a favour. But someone like Sam judges a car on ride quality and stitching. Ha <laughs> ha. Germans will win the world because they've got their stitching just right. Their paint's just right. And some of these cars are beautifully finished. But, you know, none of it lasts. It's like, I... I I like a car that is screwed together properly. We all do. And I like a car that looks good. We all do. But I don't get hung up and go out there measuring paint depth and trying to, you know, use rolled up cigarette papers to work out panel gaps, whether they're in microns. Because you know what? I don't give a shit when I'm driving it. If the finish of a car is 7 to 8 out of 10, then I'll put up with it. As long as there's obviously... You know, no obvious big blemishes in the paintwork. There's no dents in the thing from factory. The panels roughly line up and all the doors open and shut. Um, I'm happy with it. And, you know, because I <laughs> I would need to be because the Americans sometimes, you know, not just Tesla. I mean, I work with a lot of new American vehicles and some of the uh, quality does leave a little bit desired. But that doesn't matter when you're making cool shit, cool cars, cars with wicked names like Demon and Hellcat and Muck this and, dare I say it, Plaid. And, you know, cool cars that do cool things. I mean, America has the best technology in the world, I think, in some of its engineering and manufacturing, particularly with concepts like Gigapress. Um, and I think, America has the best naming conventions. America make the hottest looking cars. You know, like MBs and, and you know, and Mercedes make some good looking cars. Audi makes some good looking cars if you, if you like wearing, you know, I don't know, if you're just a boring prick. 
Okay, I said it. Um, Mercedes make some cool looking stuff though. Porsche obviously make good looking stuff. But none of it's like kind of ballsy. None of it, none of it really jumps out and says, America does it. You know what I mean? Like it, and the really good stuff is unaffordable. Um, and you know, things like Lamborghini. I don't mind Lamborghinis, um, contrary to what you might think. But it says I'm a kid uh, that made it on Doge more than anything else. I mean, thank Wolf of Wall Street, I suppose, for that, or various other movies over the years that portrayed, you know, the stock market ball driving a ball. But, yeah, like, sort of Lambos are cool, but not cool. I suppose the only thing, cool thing they've done lately is say they're going to be all electric by 2025. So, yeah, I had some guy who was connected in Adelaide the other day telling me he'd rather push his Lambo than charge his EV. Well... He can, well, being a Lambo, you're more than likely going to be pushing it from time to time anyway because, you know, they're made out of pasta and dreams. Um, but not only would he be able to push it, he'll be able to charge it soon as well. So, yeah, I mean, Lamborghini roll over and just give up and go EV, and then uh, I think that's a pretty cool thing too. <coughs> Back to the point now, excuse me. Back to the point. Let's talk about some other countries that make shit cars. Japan probably make some of the worst cars in the world now, in my opinion. The Nissan Leaf is just a hideous um, uh, embarrassment to EV technology. They don't even make GDR anymore. They've gone from the crown. They've gone from building some of the world's best, high-performance, affordable cars into building the biggest piles of dross known to mankind. I mean, the Supra, I've covered that before. I mean, the Yaris GR is probably one of the only things that stands out. But as an overall industry, Japan is done as far as car making. They are just done as far as making anything that could put a bit of lead in your pencil because they've just lost it. I mean, you know, when the big boss get beyond the GDR gets smuggled out in a bloody violin case to avoid going to jail, as we've covered Carlos before in another Epicast, you know that industry is just good, dead stuff right in the bin. Let's move down a little bit to Korea. And although they're doing some good things, they're trying to be everything to everybody. Uh, are we hydrogen? Uh, are we electric? Uh, are we petrol? Uh, are we sports cars? Uh, and, of course, they're half doing everything. Like, you know, that N range from Hyundai is pretty cool and everything else. But let's face it. You know, it's hardly likely to, pull, likely to pull a stick out of bowl of custard, is it? I mean, they're a good car, but let's put them in perspective. They're a good little slow, hot hatch. They're no brute. They're no, dare I say it, they're even no Golf R. They're probably a GDI competitor. But, you know, Hyundai do make some good things, but I just feel they're getting a little bit above and beyond themselves. What other car-making markets are they? Oh, well, are there? Well, <laughs> China. Well, shit, boy. <laughs> yeah, nah, don't even go there. Like, their tradie utes are the only things that I've worked around. And, you know, if you don't cut yourself on the sharp edges of the plastic that's on the interiors of them, when you slam the door, most of it will fall off on the ground. You get what you pay for. And if you pay one buck, then you get hockey in the door. So, yeah, don't even worry about Chinese cars at this stage. You've got BYD... Uh, you know, look to be coming out some good stuff like the Han, anything else, but it still looks like it was styled, you know, by a, an asylum escapee and screwed together by mud rats of some description. So, yeah, China got a long way to go. 
Um, and but you know, who wants to be seen rolling around in a Chinese car? Hey, look at my car. It's from China. Yeah, nah, bye. But on the other hand, you can say, look at my car. It's from America. And people, all of a sudden, know you got cred and know you're not to be messed with. So I stand my ground here. Americans builds the best car. America builds the best cars in the world right now. If you're interested in motoring at all and the best trucks, you know, we've got the F-150 Lightning just been released. I think it's a bit of a miss rather than a hit uh, as a target. Uh, and I'll explain why in an upcoming Epicast. There was a lot of smoke and mirrors there. I mean, you know, coming from a Tesla supporter, that sounds a bit rich, doesn't it? But, you know, the commercial edition for 40 grand US, they didn't even tell you what you got in it. And it's only going to do, three. you know, it's got the same range as a Model 3 SR Plus in a truck with over about 120 kilowatt hour battery in it. Yeah, it's a miss. Um, to me, but it's still cool. It's an option, and so is the the Hummer, the electric Hummer's a bit of a miss, I think, because it's 120 grand US, so it's going to be like 350 thousand dollars here if it ever makes it. And of course, the Cybertruck, it's the best boy because it's made, or it's going to be made in Texas, and there's only three things that come out of Texas, and that's steers, queers. And Cybertruck, and I don't see no horns here, boy. Now, back on to the um, Tesla nut fanboy thing. June 3 marks the official delivery event. Delivery? Delivery, not release. Delivery event for the Model S Plaid at the Fremont, California plant. So, yeah, Big Daddy's been online saying, uh, you know, delivery function or delivery event. It's called event, so God knows what else they'll be doing there. But customers will be getting plaids rolled out into their laps from June 3. Thank the good Lord above and thank America. More interesting, though, are the hints that Big Daddy Elon will be revealing more details on the SpaceX package for the Roadster. If you ever wanted it to be, I don't even remember if there's an Epicast that's covered the, the SpaceX package on the Roadster. You know, the car that was supposed to be available in 2017 and 2021, we're just getting sort of final option specifications. <clears throat> uh, Elon, Earth calling Elon, get back from Mars. Um, but the SpaceX package, it's going to be a lot of money. It'll probably be about $100,000 Australian on, on top of a, you know, $1 million plus car, the Roadster Gen 2. Um, but any car that comes with cold gas thrusters to give an updated 0 to 100 time, and yes, it's probably with rollout. Yes, rollout, rollout, rollout. A 1.1 seconds is just... Well, it's not even ludicrous. It's not even plaid. It's more like double plaid. And on this June 3, I think we will probably see um, some numbers announced from... Uh, what's his name? Jay Leno. I tried to find out behind the scenes. I know someone that knows Jay. You know, whether all those numbers were official. Still no answer back. Get on it, Big John. Um, and we're going to find out whether that 1.99, naught to 100, is real or not. Yeah, I'm prepared to bet it's real because, again, Big Daddy's been waffling on about that fastest production car in the world, sub two seconds, naught to 60 mile per hour. Well, that's actually naught to 96 kilometres an hour with one foot rollout. I 
probability of your perfect match with the compatibility of 28%. Does anyone remember Dexter off perfect match? Well, there you go. Exciting times ahead. Um, I'll be discussing this with Paul, hopefully, the end of this week or maybe next Sunday session. Big Paul when he gets back from Roxby. So thanks for listening to Range Anxiety.